0: hey the election is over the times are changing by the way the government wants to keep you away from your relatives this thanksgiving for some of you that's terrible news for others that's the best news you've heard all 2020. today we discuss the process of growing closer to christ because as you grow closer to christ you will grow further from the world hey welcome to your favorite night of the week this is the deep end (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) You know, sometimes I forget. I gotta control the, uh... I gotta control the uh, buttons over here and manipulate a lot of different things at the same time. So welcome again to The Deep End with Tim Hedge, Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. Welcome to our audience's FM 99.5 in Rhode Island, a radio audience in Tampa Bay. I'm not sure what radio it is, what station it is, but welcome to those of you who are listening and welcome to Twitch and welcome to Spotify and welcome, of course, to Facebook and YouTube. And if you would do me a favor, please do me a solid and, and subscribe to The Deep End on all of our channels, especially on this one. This is the YouTube channel. So hit that like button, subscribe, hit that little subscribe button and make me happy. I love it. We got over 700 subscribers. Hit the notification bell. That lets you know every time we're going live on your smartphone, iPad, YouTube TV device, whatever it is. So make sure that you subscribe to the channel at all of our locations. I'm gonna put those up on the screen as well we've got the deep end uh on twitter it's just deep end tv we've got it uh the deep end tv on instagram periscope and then we've got facebook and youtube and twitch as all the uh all those channels are forward slash the deep end tv so that's very easy to remember huh uh make sure you like make sure you subscribe and make sure you're here every single time we post new content on the deep end. Okay, we're going to get into the deep end news. All right, are you ready? The deep end news. Uh, like I like to say, the news you choose if you could choose news. Okay, some things have been happening. Some things have been happening. I don't know if you're aware, but we have a new president elect or at least cnn fox news msnbc say we have a new president-elect we'll see um a lot of a lot of speculation as to how quickly this whole thing will resolve but the nation and really the news media has just called it for former vice president now president-elect joe biden and I have to say something about this because we had a big election night special by the way thanks for tuning in and thanks for all your questions that was fun. i hope you enjoyed it i will hopefully have another live event like that where we will chat together live um i do pay attention to your uh comments after the deep end just not usually live we'll do it again live someday but anyway um here's my thoughts on the election and then we'll get into uh some some more news i think that the election of Joe Biden, should this continue to go through, has just validated something that I don't know if I'm entirely comfortable with as a Christian in our country, and that is the overlordness, the overlordness, the draconianness of our civil leaders. I'm talking about governors and mayors and state legislators and senators and all those kind of people who have been really controlling our lives lately, especially in 2020 and they like to kind of brag about it and they like to bend their own rules i don't know if you've noticed but there's a guy named andrew cuomo he was responsible for a large number of deaths in nursing homes in um the uh the state of uh, new york and that's all fine and good (laughs) that he was responsible as long as he takes responsibility for it uh but he's out there and busy um bragging about the fact that He did a great job and he had time to write a book. So as he's bragging and writing his book, people are dying in his state. That's not good, okay? It's good if he wants to take responsibility for his failures, but he's out there writing a book about how great he was. I don't like that. And then he's restricting his citizens even more as we speak. New York lockdowns are being imposed once again. Or take, for instance, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, who celebrates Joe Biden's electoral college win without a mask in a public setting surrounded by scores of people. And then the next day tells the people of Chicago that they can't have Thanksgiving together. I don't like that. That's draconian. That's weird. That's hypocritical. Or take, for instance, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who attended a $300 a plate dinner at a prestigious San Francisco restaurant to celebrate one of his co-workers birthday party. He celebrated a governmental workers birthday party at $300 a plate. That's where your tax money is going, California. And then he was caught in a company of too many people that broke his own COVID-19 restrictions. And that's not all. Governor of California, along with several other legislatures and lobbyists, have decided to gather together on the exclusive resort, at an exclusive conference resort in Maui, despite tons of restrictions about travel to and from those states because of COVID-19. Ladies and gentlemen, this is ridiculous we have entered into the realm of the absurd the absurd as our country locks down and gets all uh worried and and stressed out because COVID is coming back making a big comeback lots of cases 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 we've got these guys who and these ladies who are in charge of our civil government and they're imposing these restrictions and then they're breaking them and then they're breaking them i'm old enough to remember when the church used to be full of hypocrites (laughs) I'm old enough to remember when preachers used to preach against adultery and then they'd go commit, while they were committing adultery on the side. Now it seems the governmental leaders are doing the exact same thing. I wonder what happened to America. I wonder what happened. Because I, I remember a country, I shall tell my grandchildren of the days when we didn't wear masks. Amen? <laughs> you know, honey, there was a day when we didn't have to put this dirty cloth on our face every time we went out. i miss america don't you the government is a big fan of itself i don't know if you heard the government is a big fan of itself now i am the ron swanson of pastors i am the ron swanson that's a parks and rec uh, reference if you don't know i'm a big libertarian i think live and let live i don't want to impose my religious beliefs on anybody but i want the freedom to share my religious beliefs beliefs belief my believe my religious beliefs and preach my religious beliefs and you can reject it or hate it or accept it that's up to you it's called libertarianism but here's the deal I'm not a fan of big government, and neither should you be. Because here's why we as Christians should not be a fan of big government because government cannot take the place of God. And that ultimately is the undercurrent of growing government. I don't know if you're aware of this, but. The reason why government always wants to be bigger in your life is because ultimately they want to take the place of God. They do, they do. They won't say this out loud, but they do. They want to take the place of God. They want to tell you who you can hang out with, who you should have an association, who you should not have in your associations. They want to tell you how you should live your life, how you should run your holidays, what you should believe, how much money you should make, how much money you should give away. It's, it's kind of funny that the government becomes its own religious system now. They're even calling the shots about holidays. Hello? something's something's up something's in the water and you say tim why do you have to be so critical of the government after all aren't we supposed to respect the government and submit the submit to the government as christians yes it doesn't mean we can't criticize the government can't can't have a discerning perspective on what's going on the government i have a problem with these draconian measures and by the way all democrats all Democrats, this is why I say the election of Joe Biden has validated uh, these draconian leaders and this draconian, dr, uh, draconian, draconian age in which we live, in which leaders are controlling our lives, civil leaders are controlling our lives like never before, because he's a Democrat. And so this has kind of validated all the Democrats who have shut down their states, hook, line, and singer, left, right, and center, to make sure that your life is controlled by the government. When a society moves away from God, it will automatically look to the government to be God. That's just a fact. And I have a huge problem with that because I want your life to be free. Free because of the God who gave you your life, not the government. The government doesn't give you your life, God does. The government doesn't take care of you, God does. The government will not be the the judge of your soul, God is. This is why we have to preach the gospel, get people connected to God again, because when we move away from God, we move closer to government as the source of our lives. And I've got a lot of skeptic- skepticism about COVID-19. I do. I always have. I don't know if you saw this last week. Elon Musk of Tesla and SpaceX. He tweeted out that he got four tests. Four tests for COVID at the same hospital, same nurse, or same, same whatever company, same nurse, same test, four times. Two, he tweeted out. Two tests came back negative, Two tests came back positive. He said something extremely bogus is going on. I concur. Elon Musk. <laughs> I'm just skeptical of it. I don't know why people aren't skeptical. We should be skeptical of this thing, this this disease. And I'm not saying that it's not a thing. I'm just saying it's often used to change. It has been used to change society as we know it. Like I said, I shall tell my grandchildren of the America that I once knew. I'm I'm concerned for the future of our country. I'm concerned for where we go from here. I'm going to get into that when we get into the life of David in another area. This is another reason why I'm skeptical of government because government has a funny way of picking and choosing what religions are good and what religious practices are good and what religious practices are not. Like churches being shut down in California and in New York and in, and in I think in the city of Boston. Just, just shut down. Just churches shut down. No problem. And nobody's saying a word. I, I, this, there's such a thing as the First Amendment, people. Let me give you some examples. This is why the president, uh, the, 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 the election of of joe biden has validated all these things and we've got to be aware of it we've got to be we've got to be discerning of these this next season that we're entering into because government is going to get bigger and stronger and more more um what's the word more bold more out outright in its control of religious freedoms for instance this is from christian news now atheist group shuts down kansas city school kansas school Operation Christmas Child Participation. Operation Christmas Child is where you put put a bunch of gifts and toys in a shoebox and you ship it out overseas to poor kids in the name of Jesus. And because it's connected with the Christian faith, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, one teacher in that school complained, and guess what? The school had to cave and they shut it down. So poor kids overseas are not gonna get toys because some atheists got cranky because Christians were being Christians. This is where we're going. This is what's happening more and more in this country. Or how about this example? San Diego. This is from Christian News Now as well. San Diego strip clubs open, but churches are ordered to remain closed. This is a judge out in uh, San Diego, Judge uh, Joel Warfield. Decided that you must open strip clubs, but churches have to remain closed. This is where we're going. Why are you skeptical about the government, Tim? This is why. Because the more power we give to government, first off, the reason why we give more power to government is because we have decreased the influence of God in our society. And when you take God out of the society, people need leadership. They need, they need a source. They need some protective guidance. And like, they look to the government. This is exactly what's happening right now into this, in this weird 2020 COVID-19 situation that we find ourselves in. Here's another example of just you know I wouldn't say this is government uh, this is uh, government uh, intervention or or restrictions on, on, on religious practices but uh, actress Melissa McCarthy this is from uh, churchleaders.com she has withdrawn her support from a Christian anti-sex trafficking or anti-trafficking organization Exodus Cry so there's this organization Christian organization that seeks to save young girls from sex trafficking and Melissa McCarthy the actress decided to donate to it in her 20 days of kindness campaign. Well, she was called out on it by all of her celebrity friends. Why? Because guess what? Exodus Cry is a Christian organization that believes that marriage is between one man, and one woman, and that your biological gender is your gender. And this is anti LGBTQ. This is where we're going, friends. Can't you see? Can't you read the tea leaves? And so she had to make a public apology because she dared to donate to an organization that's, that's dedicated to saving girls out of sex slavery. <laughs> Among the 20 charities that Exodus Cry supports, one of them is uh, a, a group called Trafficking Hub, a campaign to shut down Pornhub, the largest pornography site on the internet. According to Exodus Cry, Pornhub has been repeatedly caught enabling hosting and profiting from videos of child rape, sex trafficking and other forms of non-consensual content exploiting women and minors that's what exodus cry is working to stop and melissa mccarthy made committed the sin the unforgivable sin of donating money to that organization this is where we are as a country this is where we are as a world and we have just validated more of this more of this because yes we have we have chosen the most pro lgbtq and the most pro-abortion candidate in america's history another example this is not in america but in overseas uh, in britain overseas police break up baptism for breaching coronavirus restrictions this is <laughs> this is out of london england british police busted up a baptism service on sunday in london for breaching prime minister boris johnson's lockdown restrictions police barred the christian worshipers from entering into the angel church in islington st- stationing officers outside the entrance as well as parking two police fans and a car outside the evangelical church officers explained that due to covid 19 restrictions are in place preventing gatherings and that financial penalties can be applied if they are breached we were told not to have a baptism and police began to block people from entering the church the pastor says so we decided to make other arrangements this is our world this is the direction that we are headed into these are my thoughts about the election. I'm sorry if I'm down, I'm, I'm 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 depressing you, but we need to be aware of it. This is what we do on the deep end. We talk about culture, we talk about news, we talk about what's going on in the world so that we are not ignorant. You know, Isaiah had this conversation with the people of Israel way back, way back in the 7th century BC. As the as the Israelites uh, descended into immorality and took God out of the public sphere and replaced it with governmental structures that took the place of God. He said to them in Isaiah chapter three, he said, I'll make boys their princes and infants shall rule over them. Infants meaning people with no knowledge. Infants will rule over them and people will oppress one another. Everyone his fellow and everyone his neighbor. The youth will be insolent to the elder and the despised of the honorable. For a man will take hold of his brother in the house saying, you have a cloak, you shall be our leader and this heap of ruin shall be under your rule. In other words, you've got money, lead us. You look like he got something going on, lead us. like That's not the right way to choose a leader. And this is what Isaiah prophesied in his day. And the nation descended and ultimately ultimately was taken over by the Babylonians. And, And could that be the case in America? Could China be our Babylon one day? Possibly. We've got to wake up. We've got to be committed to the gospel. We've got to be committed to the kingdom. And we've got to call out this hypocrisy where we see it. I'll do it all the time I hope you support me By the way Why don't you do that Support the deep end Cash tag, The deep end TV Support us So we can keep this message Getting out there The good news In Isaiah chapter 3 Is this In Isaiah chapter 3 Verse 10 He says Tell the righteous That it shall be well with them In the midst of all Of this global upheaval And national upheaval Isaiah says to his people Says to God's people Tell the righteous That it shall be well with them For they shall eat The fruit of their deeds Amen Whoop Christians, we don't have to worry about what God's going to do for us. He's going to take care of us, but we do have a responsibility to be salt and light in this world, to preserve this world from chaos and corruption, especially corruption in our government. And I said this to our church on Tuesday night last week. I say it to you. Everyone in the public sphere is on the same side. Have you seen this? Have you noticed this? I hope you've noticed this. Everyone's on the same side. The media, the entertainment industry, the music industry, the government, the news channels, uh, the educational system, big tech, Facebook, Google, Twitter. They're all on the same side. They're all talking together behind closed doors and making sure that they all manipulate the world around you and lie to you regularly, 24 hours a day to make you think that as a Christian, you're on the wrong side of history, you're outdated, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a homophobe. You should, you should change what you believe to get with the times. This is the world that we live in. It's a world that is gonna continue along this line. Those are my thoughts about the election. They aren't happy-go-lucky thoughts, I understand. <laughs> they aren't happy-go-lucky thoughts, I understand. But I'm hoping to help you because this does apply to where we are going Uh, this evening in our topic on, or in our conversation on the life of David. Hey, make sure you subscribe, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Subscribe, like, hit that thumbs up, leave a comment below, let me know you're watching. I'm excited about something coming up, by the way. This This is big, are you ready? This is really, really big. I'm kind of really thrilled about this. I've got a book coming out. Yes, yours truly, Tim Hatch has got a book coming out. It's called Move, Entering into God's Promises for You. Uh, I, there's seven beatitudes that I write about on uh, the, I call them the beatitudes of moving in the right direction in life. You've got to move. This is a perfect book for the post-COVID world, which hopefully someday will happen. Move, get out, do something, try something new. So it's coming out and you can check it out at timhatchlive.com books. You can order it on amazon.com. Big news, by the way, over at Amazon.com. It just went up yesterday, and I am already—that book is already number one in Amazon Hot New Releases for religious publications. Hey, deep enders, I will remember you when I make it big time. <laughs> I will remember you, little people. <laughs> Did I just lose some sales, Michael? I think I just lost some sales. Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway, these are exciting times, and uh, I don't want you to be discouraged because while while we see that the world is getting a little bit crazier and funkier, um, the church is going to go on. The church is going to continue to preach the gospel. The church is going to continue to do what God has called the church to do. And I'm excited about that. I hope you're excited about that. Uh, make sure that you support the Deep End, the Deep End uh, hashtag. Um, you can also go to thedeepend.tv slash give. There it is right there on the bottom of the screen, thedeepend.tv slash give. Support the Deep End, support the program. We thank you so much for joining us tonight. Now, let's get into the life of David. All right, the life of David. The life of David. This is part seven of season four of The Deep End, and the title of this message, the title of this talk, is Closer to God, Stranger to the World. Closer to God, Stranger To the world And the point is That the closer That you get to God The stranger you will feel To this world Uh, There's no avoiding that It's just a reality Of who we are As people And we're going to be Talking about a guy In 1 Samuel 20 Named Jonathan In 1 Samuel chapter 20 There are three characters Three important people That we're going to Pay attention to Number one is Saul Remember he is the king Chosen by the people He is the people's king He is the elected king Then there is David, who we are introduced to in 1 Samuel chapter 16. He is the anointed king. He is God's chosen king. So you have the people's king, you have God's king, and then you have this guy in between them. His name is Jonathan. Here's what I want you to think about when it comes to Jonathan. Jonathan is biologically connected to the king of the world and spiritually connected to God's king. Jonathan is us, if you're a Christian. If you're a, I want to make sure that we, we're clear about that. If you're a Christian, this, this chapter applies to you, and I want you to see yourself as Jonathan in the text. And the point that I want to make first on this note is that the world is not your friend. The world is not your friend, Christian, and the sooner that you realize it, the sooner you will be stronger and wiser. You will be stronger as a Christian the sooner that you realize that this world is not your friend. You will be wiser as a Christian. You'll make better choices as a Christian the sooner that you realize that the world is not your friend. For as long as the gospel has been preached, there will be those who resist the gospel and God's anointed king, Jesus Christ. We are going to see this clearly portrayed in the life of Saul, God, uh, not God's, the people's king, as he and Jonathan have this back and forth that does not end pretty. And David and Jonathan continues to grow closer and closer together. But back to the point, the world's not your friend. First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 16 says, do not love the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. For, for everything in the world does not come from the Father, but from the world. He says, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. These do not come from the Father. They come from the world. Do not love that system. You know, if you, if you, if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 20, some people preach this chapter, and I've seen it happen, is like a chapter on friendship. David and Jonathan are friends, and it's about being friends and what good friendship looks like. That's that's not how I'm gonna teach this text. I'm gonna teach this text because I want you to see Jesus in the text, as we do all the time here on the Deep End. We don't We don't go to the Bible for moral commandments on how to improve our lives. We go to the Bible to find Jesus, to see Jesus. And the lesson in this text is how the closer we get to Jesus, the stranger we get to the world. But we have to awaken to something, and it's an important point in 1 Samuel chapter 20. We have to awaken to the unseen war the spirit. There's, an, there's a war, there's a conflict and we've talked about this already in season four. There's a conflict between your biological birth of this world, being born in this world and there's, there's, a, there's a conflict between that part of you and the spiritual part of you, the, the Holy Spirit that takes up residence in you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, the key passage I wanna point out today 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 17, and Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Jonathan and David, this, this soul connection, soul brothers, you could say, not homosexual. I know people say that about Jonathan and David. Not true. <laughs> it's a bad reading of the text. But they have this soul brotherhood, this connection in the spirit that is going to spell trouble for both of them but particularly for jonathan in first samuel 20 let me tell you why this applies or how this applies to you do you have a hard time with relationships that used to be smooth but when you became a christian they started to become problems do you have a hard time relating to friends and family members do you like i have been talking about in this Uh, Episode so far Do you see the hostility The latent Kind of under the surface hostility That the world has Toward you or your faith Do you wonder why That's the case Or maybe I have to shift gears I have to go over to the other side And talk to people who You're a professing Christian But you have no idea What I'm talking about You're like I don't have a problem With the world I think the world's doing great I like these these governors and these mayors and and all these people making all these choices for us. Okay, maybe for you it's time to wake up to the reality that maybe something's lacking in your spiritual life in regards to Christ. Have you surrendered to him? Have you really come to him for who he is or is he just there to get you out of some bad situations, some problems? Here's the fact. Here's the reality, Christian. If you are surrendered to Christ, if Christ is your savior, you will grow stranger to the world the closer you grow to Christ. So let's get into the text. Let's take a look at it through the life of Jonathan. Okay. First Samuel chapter 20 verse one. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah. This is where he was worshiping God with Samuel. Remember that from last time three weeks ago? And he came and said before Jonathan, what have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan doesn't know this. This is is an important point right off the bat. Jonathan does not understand that that his father wants to kill David. He thinks that nothing's wrong. He doesn't see what David sees. And by the way, David makes some some important confessions here. He says, what's my sin, what's my guilt? In other words, I am the innocent sufferer. There's no sin in David concerning uh, Saul and there's no guilt in David concerning Saul. David is a picture of Christ the innocent sufferer, the innocent savior, the innocent king. Verse two, and Jonathan said to him, far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing either great or small without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. Okay, stop here. I want you to see how oblivious Jonathan is to Saul's hatred of David. It is an important point. Because when people become Christians I see this all the time They are oblivious to the nature of the world against Christ They are oblivious to it They don't see it They don't see the world the way Christ sees See David is an interesting picture of Christ here He sees the world for what it is It hates you That's why he will tell his disciples on a regular basis This world will hate you It hates me, it's going to hate you If they persecute me, they will persecute you So don't be surprised when this happens He tells his disciples this again and again and again to prepare them for being hated by the world. We are Jonathan in this text. We don't see it oftentimes that the world is not our friend. We wanna be friends with the world, but we can't be. Why? Because we are soul mates with Christ, our true and better David. So if, if anything, I just want you to see it this way. Jesus sees the world differently than you. He sees the dangers of the world. When Jesus tells us uh, in his word through Paul the apostle, there's no fellowship of light with darkness. There's no fellowship of believer and unbeliever. Don't be unequally yoked. And he's not just talking about marriage. He's talking about relationships and, and working relationships and all kinds of other relationships that could, that could cause your relationship with Christ to suffer and be strained. He says, listen, you gotta be aware of this because oftentimes we are oblivious to the nature of the world. I bring you to Romans chapter 8, verse 7, where Paul says, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It is hostile to God. The mindset on the flesh. That's that's the unbeliever's mind. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. James chapter 4, we, we quoted this passage last time. James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people. James is calling out the church. Why? Because they wanted to be friends with the world. He says, you, you, don't you realize that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There is no, there is no fellowship of worldliness and godliness. There's none. And Christian, you're going to wake up to this because the world is not our friend and they are going to grow increasingly hostile to the Christian faith. I'm not saying it's all over tomorrow. I'm not saying they're going to jail us tomorrow. And I'm not, I don't have a persecution complex. I don't think Christians are getting persecuted yet in America. Not at all. But there's definitely a hostility there. And COVID-19 has opened a door to something that previously wasn't there in America. Again, I shall tell my grandchildren of the America that I once knew. This past week, our church, this past week, our church up in Massachusetts, North Attleboro, Massachusetts, Waters Church, was reported to the Board of Health for violations concerning COVID-19. Not enough people were wearing wearing the masks or social distancing. I want you to think about this. Somebody came to our church, didn't like what they saw, didn't come to us, didn't call us, didn't email us, didn't text us, didn't do anything. Our doors are open, our phone lines are operational. You can contact our church at any moment. They didn't do that. Guess what they did? They tattletailed. Yes, tattletailed. When you go to the authority figure instead of the first, the, the person that you have a problem with, is called tattletailing. This is this is fifth grade stuff. So they go to the board of health to to tell on us, and the board of health calls us with all these people complaining. First off, I had to talk to the board of health and say, "Have you ever been to a church?" <laughs> Do you do you realize what church people are like? They don't like each other all the time. They they tattle on each other all the time. <laughs> but anyway, this happened uh, right after the election, by the way, which is kind of ironic. Nothing happened before the election, but as soon as the election's over, suddenly we get tattled on. I don't know why. But I I thought about this in in, in America. We, We are oblivious to this. We have been oblivious to this because America has been a country like no other in regards to the Christian faith. There has been no other country in human history that has been more friendly to the christian message to the christian movement than this country for 200 plus years we've had the freedom of religion not just the freedom of religion we've had um tax exemption we we get tax deductions for giving to the church um in many respects uh, over the course of the the american story uh, the government and the church have partnered together with finances to help the poor house the homeless uh, foster children and all these things are starting to come down all these all these bricks are starting to fall as america gets more and more secular Christian, do not be lulled into a false sense of security with the system of this world. And I just had this problem with them reporting us to the Board of Health because I thought about this. I thought about this. Today, they're reporting us for COVID masks and social distancing infractions. Tomorrow, they are reporting us to the government for preaching from this book, the Bible, words considered hateful or terms of bigotry. And you know where I'm going with this. Today, it's masks. Tomorrow, it's our message. And I, I just, I shall tell my children of the America, my grandchildren of the America that I once knew. This is where it's going. This is why it's alar- alarming to me. The world is not our friend. Um, I found this article in the Atlantic, Atlantic Monthly. Usually it was a pretty good uh, uh, publication, but it's, it's kind of become unhinged in the uh, post-Donald Trump era. The title of the article is The Evangelical Reckoning Begins. And the article's stipulation is all these evangelical preachers who align themselves with Donald Trump are now going to pay the price. We're going to pay for our, not our, because I never aligned with him publicly, our sins. Any evangelical minister who dared support Donald Trump publicly is now going to pay a reckoning. What a ridiculous concept. What a ridiculous concept. It's absolutely ridiculous. So they interview uh, a pastor that I respect named Andy Stanley from North Point Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. And they interview him. And and I gotta gotta be honest with you. I can't believe that he actually offered up his time for this interview because they kind of mock him. And I respect Andy Stanley. They call, but a couple of examples from the article. They call his books Jesus-y self-help manuals. That's not respectful. I've read his books. His books are good. His books are not Jesus-y self-help manuals. They call him a fast talking this is out of the article quote a fast talking skinny jeans fan obsessed with defeating cerebral arguments against christianity made by new atheist types end quote what what a what a slight of hand uh uh insult if you ask me it's just It's an unsubstantiated characterization of Andy Stanley, by the way. He's a a gospel preacher. I have great respect for him. I don't like the fact that he closed his church for the rest of the year. I think that was ridiculous. I don't think he's helping the cause there. But the point is, the world's not our friend. The world's not our friend. The world's looking, don't you see, reporting to the Board of Health? The world is looking to do something against the church. And today it's masks, tomorrow it's our message. We've gotta be aware of this. Jonathan is not aware of this in first Samuel chapter 20 he's not aware that his father wants to kill David he's oblivious Christian you can't afford to be in this position and chapter 20 is going to unveil for Jonathan the struggle that he will continue to have between his father and David so let's go on verse 3 but David vowed again saying your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes and he thinks do not let Jonathan know this lest he be grieved but truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you. And I love this about Jonathan because he's like, okay, I'm going to trust you. I don't see it, but I'm going to trust you. And Christians, you got to do that. You don't see it, but you got to trust me. You got to see, you, you got to trust what God says, not what the world says. Going on. Verse five. David said to Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is a new moon. This is a, a monthly festival that Israel would celebrate. And I shall... And I should not fail to sit at the king's table, but let me go that I may hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnest, earnestly asked leave of me to run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. If he says good, it will be well with your servant. But if he is angry, then know that harm is determined by him. So so David says, let's come up with this little plan. I'm going to skip the new moon festival. And if your father is angry, that I'm not there. Oh, and by the way, tell him this little lie. Uh, and, and we'll talk about this in a moment. Tell this little lie that I went to celebrate some sacrifice with my family at my hometown. But if your father's angry, you're gonna see. This is a test. If your father's angry, then you know that what I'm telling you is true. But if he's not, then all is well. So verse eight says this. Therefore, deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into covenant of the Lord with you. In other words, Jonathan, remember, we have this bond. We have this covenantal agreement. And, and again, we're Jonathan, right? In the story, we have a covenantal agreement with Jesus. Jesus said at the last supper, this, blood is, this cup is the uh, covenant in my blood, the new covenant in my blood. We have a covenant with Christ just like Jonathan had a cov- covenant with David. Going on in verse uh, eight, he says, but if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself or why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, far be it from you if I knew that it was determined by my father that sh- that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? In other words, I'm with you, David. I'm with you. I'm not going to turn you in. I'm not going to kill you. But at the same time, we're seeing it from our perspective. We're seeing that Jonathan is very, uh, ignorant of his father's plans concerning David, so going on in verse ten, then David said to Jonathan, "Who will tell me if your father answers roughly? So I'm going to be hiding out here, but I need to get some kind of a signal that your father is displeased with me, if that's the case." So verse eleven, and Jonathan said to David, "Come, let us go out to the field." So they both went out to the field, and Jonathan said to David, "The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness when I have sounded up my father, when I have, when I have field him out." about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? Verse 13, but, it should please, but should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do to Jonathan, and more also, if I do not disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in, safe, in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. That's verse 13. Now verse 14, he says, if I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die and do not cut off your steadfast love from my father's house forever for uh, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Okay, now this is important. This passage is important. Okay, again, we are seeing very clearly that Jonathan is very ignorant of something about his father. He firstly says in verse 13, may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. Um, Jonathan, (laughs) the Lord has left your father. It's already been established in the scriptures, in the text, the spirit left Saul and a tormenting spirit came upon Saul. Jonathan is ignorant of this. The reason why the world is at odds with God is because it does not have the spirit of God. That's why at conversion, Christian, you immediately become strange to this world and the world becomes strange to you. It does not have the spirit of God. And then he says this if I am still alive now this is so important verse 14 this is a huge verse he says if I am still alive this is Jonathan speaking to David show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die and do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever in other words my children when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth okay Jonathan is doing something here that is incredibly profound It's, it's incredibly profound he's saying David I don't see what you see But if you're right, and if my father's going to do you harm, and when you become king, please have mercy on my family, my house, my my children. Because in the ancient times, when one king took over for another king, it was was established uh, protocol. You killed all the children of the former king. So there would be no uprising. There'd be no rebellion from the former king's family. Jonathan says, show me mercy. Show my family mercy. Don't kill them all. Now, this is an incredible moment because you got to look at the picture here and it applies to our spiritual life. Jonathan is begging David to spare his life when Jonathan is the biological heir of the throne of Israel. Here's Jonathan with his father on one side, with all the resources of the kingdom at his disposal. And he's looking at David, lowly David now, who's out in the field hiding for his life, scared, running from from Saul. And Jonathan's begging the guy who's running, the guy who looks like he's losing, to spare his life. What we have here is a huge, beautiful picture of the life of faith for a Christian. What What do I mean? For a Christian, here's the deal. We're going to put our trust in something that looks like it's a loser. Looks like. What do I mean? We're going to be putting our trust in Jesus who in this world's estimation oftentimes appears to be a lost cause. Christianity really that old thing? That old relic? Come on. You're serving a carpenter from Nazareth. Come on. At times our faith will look funny. To, what I'm trying to say is this. At times our faith will look funny to the world. Got it? We're putting our faith in the lowly carpenter of Nazareth. Not the resources of the world, of this age, of this kingdom that we see. Here's the point. There's a God of this world that we, that we believe can, or we are, we are often told can keep us safe in this world. But there's a god of the universe who can keep us safe in this world and in the next which one do we serve which one do we pray to see it jonathan's praying praying please do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever i i'm, I'm begging you david care for me and that's going to be our our action before the Lord Father I'm not putting my faith in this world I'm not putting my faith in America I'm not putting my faith in an elected official they come and they go you are sovereign you are God you are Lord over all and my faith is in you and even when the world thinks that that looks stupid I'm still gonna do it this is what Jonathan exemplifies for you and for me let's go on verse 16 and Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. By the way, Jonathan doesn't even know that he's talking about his own house there because Saul is his enemy. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him. Look at this line. For he loved him as his own soul. For he loved him as his own soul. Let me just make sure that you're clear about the who, who the he's are here. For he, Jonathan, loved him david as he loved his own soul jonathan loved david as his own life what does jesus command us to do if you don't hate your own life you cannot be my disciple in other words you got to love me more than you love your life that's exactly what jonathan does here with david this is how you read the bible properly friends verse 18 Then Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is a new moon, and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. So, this is the place. They're going to enact the plan. So, let's go for it. On the third day, go down quickly to the place where you hid yourself, verse 19, when the matter was at hand, uh, and remain beside the stone heap. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I shot at a mark. Going on, verse 21, and behold, I will send the boy, saying, Go find the arrows. If I say to the boy, look, the arrows are on this side of you, take them. Then you are to come, for as the Lord lives, it is safe for you, and there is no danger. But if I I say to the youth, look, the arrows are beyond you, then go, for the Lord has sent you away. Verse 23, and as for the matter of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat, verse 25, the king sat on a seat, as at other times, on the seat by the wall. By the way, he's on the wall. Why? Why is he on the seat by the wall? Do you know why? Because Saul is very insecure in his leadership. He's worried somebody's going to come up from behind him and kill him. That's just a little note about the text there. Jonathan sat opposite, and Abner sat by Saul's side. Abner's uh, Saul's um, right-hand man, his commander-in-chief, if you will, or his his, uh, uh, joint chief of staff commander, if you will. But David's place was empty, yet Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He's not clean. Surely he's not clean. But on the second day, verse 27, the day after the new moon, David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, why is not the son of Jesse? By the way, notice how he, now, notice how he starts to call and refer to David as the son of Jesse. That uh, distinction, that title, uh, it, it infers that Saul is growing more and more strange to David. So he's getting suspicious. He says, why is not the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? And Jonathan answered in verse 28, Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go. For our clan holds a sacrifice in the city. And my brother has commanded me to be there. So now if I have found favor in your eyes, let me uh, get away and see my brothers. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. Now, this is a lie. This is a lie that David and Jonathan have worked out together to tell Saul. Isn't lying a sin? Yes. And remember, there's also another lie in the Bible, in the Old Testament, where... A woman named Rahab, a prostitute, told a lie to spare God's people the spies who were checking out the land of Jericho. Does the Bible permit lying in certain situations? No. <laughs> uh, I don't have anything to say about Rahab's lie. It was done. It's finished. Lying is a sin. And this is not giving us permission to sin, to spare people's lies. Although, in some cases, I think we can take matters into our own hands, such as the many people in Holland and Germany and Europe. Who lied to save the Jews. That's a different situation altogether. Maybe this is that situation, but what we see in the text is it doesn't work out well. And the reason why I tell you it doesn't work out well, the reason why this, this passage doesn't justify lying for certain situations is because we're gonna see that David is a horrible, I mean Jonathan is a horrible liar. <laughs> He's a horrible liar because he tells his father this big long lie. And look at look at look at uh, look at Saul's response. It says, Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said to him, your son, you son of a perverse woman. <laughs> you, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. So Jonathan read, uh, Saul just reads Jonathan like a book, and he knows he's lying, and he says, "You son of a perverse and rebellious woman." OK, three attacks from Saul on Jonathan the son. and I only underscore these because they are the same three attacks. the kingdom of this world, and Satan, who is the God of this world, will leverage, will level against you. The same three attacks. What are those three attacks? Shame, number one. Guilt, number two. And greed, number three. The devil will attack you in those three areas as you seek to serve the Lord Jesus Christ every day. What three? Shame, guilt, greed. Shame. Look at what he says. You son of a perverse woman. That's verse 30. You've, you've shamed your mother's nakedness. Another uh, Mother's nakedness refers to the way that she gave birth to him. You shamed your mother. He's just cast dispersions upon his son. And then he says, uh, he says, he, he, he loads him up with guilt. <laughs> you, you've, you've brought your mother shame. Shame on you for bringing your mother this pain. Guilt is the devil's tool to disparage our walk with Christ. And then three, greed. Oh, man, the, the greed thing. The devil, will use that all the time to, disper- to cast dispersions on on our faith again and again and again. Notice what he says. He says, "As long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither your kingdom, neither you nor your kingdom, shall be established." In other words, you are going to never get ahead if you keep serving the son of Dave, the son of Jesse. And the devil likes to tell that to the church all the time. You're never going to get ahead if you keep serving this Jesus. You're never going to get ahead if you keep tithing. You're never going to get ahead if you keep giving away your money to important Christian organizations that do missions work overseas. You're never going to get ahead if you don't just go with the flow and get on the right side of history and get with the program and start to make some compromises about what you believe about the Bible because that's the way to get ahead. Greed It's a tool of the enemy, friend. It's what Jonathan is attacked with by his own father, Saul, is the attack we're going to feel from our old father, the devil. Moving on in the passage, verse 32. Then Jonathan answered Saul's father, why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul heard his spe- hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. Bingo, hello, Jonathan. Thank you, welcome to the story. He's awoken. Okay, I got it. He wants to kill my soul brother, David. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month for he was grieved for David because his father disgraced him. Just notice that phrase He was grieved um, I think this is actually A, a, a principle that we've got to be aware of As Christians That we're, we're going to grieve At times As we learn That the closer we walk with Jesus The, stra- the more strange we are to this world We're going to grieve when we lose friends We're going to grieve when we lose relationships We're going to grieve when we lose importance We're going to grieve when we lose um, You know um, Influence Because we follow Jesus, and that's okay, that's okay. We are moving from a biological family to a spiritual family, it is a transition, it is a process. And sometimes it's okay to wrestle through that process. I feel like I need to say something to a, a, a young girl who you stopped dating a guy because he's not a Christian and you feel so grieved over that and you wonder, is God gonna work this out for my favor? Yes, he is, but it's okay to grieve. I feel like I need to tell someone who's, you know, you've walked away from a business opportunity because the business was doing questionable things and, and you maybe lost a lot of money. And you're thinking, is God going to work this out for my favor? Yes, he is. But it's okay to grieve. Just like Jonathan does here. He's I to mean, think about it. He's losing a relationship with his father. That's hard. that has got to be hard. And it's always going to be this bone of contention between them. And it's okay to grieve. By the way, he doesn't eat. Great way to work through the grieving process is to not eat, as you separate from the world. It's called fasting. It's called fasting. You fast and pray. You get heart. You get your heart disconnected from this world and connected to Christ. Amen. Okay, going on. Verse thirty-five. In the morning, Jonathan went out into the field and appoint, uh, to uh, to into the field to the appointment with David, and with him a little boy. And he said to the little boy run and find the arrows that I shoot. And as the boy ran, he shot the arrow beyond him. Remember, that was the signal. And when the boy came to the place of the arrow that Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the boy and said, is not the arrow beyond you? Jonathan, verse 38, called after the boy, hurry, be quick, do not stay. He's sending a message to David, not to the boy. So Jonathan's boy gathered up the arrows and came to his master, but the boy knew nothing. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. Verse 40, and Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy and said to him, go and carry them to the city. Okay, this this is David getting the message because now Jonathan's got the message that David and Jonathan are at odds with uh, Saul, Jonathan's father. And soon, verse 41, these are the last passages that we're going to read today. Verse 41, 1 Samuel 20, and as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and they wept with one another. David weeping the most. And I just love that little line right there. David weeping the most. Why? Because David is a picture of Christ. He loves us more than we love him. That's always the case. He cares for us more than we care for him. That's always the case. The covenant of his love is always more love from him than we can ever give to him. Verse 42, then Jonathan said to David, go in peace because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed. And Jonathan went into the city. From this moment forward, Jonathan is no longer oblivious to the reality of his world. He's no longer oblivious to the reality that his biological connection to his father will always be strained by his spiritual connection to David. And Christian, dear Christian, you must embrace this as well. Your biological, biological connection, your physical connection to this world will always be, be strained by your spiritual connection to Christ and to the people of Christ. There's no getting around it. So what is the lesson? What is the big picture lesson of this this chapter? Jonathan, here it is. Jonathan in 1 Samuel 20 is a picture of the process of surrendering to the rule of Christ in your life. Jonathan is a picture of the process of surrendering. And by the way, the word process is intentional here. It's a process to surrender. We, we think one and done. I, I, I raised my hand at the altar. Oh, I came to that altar call. Oh, I, I made that commitment. Or I made that rededication. Uh, <laughs> you're going to slip back. You're going to have good days, bad days. It's a process. You grow more and more closer to Christ. You grow stranger and stranger to the king of this world. That's the process. So let me just unpack this with some final thoughts we are jonathan in this text biologically tied to the world spiritually bound to christ we often fail to see this is point number one we often fail to see that the world is not our home number two the closer to christ we walk the more distant to this earth we will feel number three it may seem strange even absurd to those who love and care for us that we follow this carpenter from nazareth might be strange and absurd embrace it friend that's the, Christian, that's the process of Christian surrender. And then ultimately we are saved by the covenantal promises of Christ. We are saved by the covenantal promises of Christ. By the way, this is huge. Uh, this little agreement between um, Jonathan and David, did you see it there? That Jonathan says to David, David, um, don't kill my family when you become king. Well, well, guess what? David lives up to that promise. Long after Jonathan dies, and, and that happens later on in the story, when David becomes king and every enemy has been silenced around him and he is established firmly as the king of Israel, guess what he does? In 2 Samuel chapter 9, he says to his friends, he says to his associates, he says, is there not anyone of the family of Jonathan to whom I can show mercy? Is there anyone there? And they say, yeah, there's this kid. His name is Mephibosheth. This is 2 Samuel chapter 9. And they say, you know what? He's, Saul's, he's Jonathan's uh, son, Saul's grandson. He's Jonathan's son. He's lame in both of his feet because his, his nanny, his caretaker, fell when she was escaping while Saul's kingdom was collapsing and, and, he was, and he was injured and he was crippled. And it's this beautiful story. And David brings Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth into his uh into his presence and he says i'm going to bless you i'm going to establish you i'm going to restore all that your family owned i'm going to give you servants that will care for you and you will always eat at my table this is a beautiful story of grace and Mephibosheth because of the covenant that jonathan had with david he's cared for for the rest of his life and you know what Mephibosheth's name means it's actually a beautiful name it means remover of the idol and destroyer of our shame. He, he removes the idol and he destroys our shame. The shame the world wants to cast upon the church, got good news for you, Jesus is going to remove that shame. The idolatrous practices of following the course of this world, the kingdom of this world, the prince of the power of the earth, Jesus is in the process of removing that idol from our hearts. And as he removes those idols, he removes that shame and we grow closer and closer to him. So the last point is this, Jesus, as we surrender to him, he makes us Mephibosheth. He removes our idols and he destroys our shame. That's a beautiful picture of the gospel right here in 1 Samuel chapter 20. You might be oblivious Christian or deep ender or new Christian, especially new Christian. To the fact that this world is not your home and it does not like you, and it will not like you, and it will not appreciate your faith. And yes, there will be an increase of hostility in this country as we continue to go in the direction that we are against the Christian faith. But we serve a savior who will be faithful to his covenantal promise to us, to care for us, to guide us, to watch over us, and to sustain us. The best is always yet to come, amen want to remind you one last time, my book is coming out March 2021. Check it out at TimHashLive.com slash books or book, books. There we go. TimHashLive.com slash books. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in today. I am thrilled that you were here. Make sure that you like and subscribe, especially on YouTube.com slash TV. Like and subscribe, friends. Uh, we've got over 700 subscribers. I'm looking for 1,000. Can we get there? It'd be great if you did that. Head over to YouTube.com slash TV and hit that subscription button, the notification bell, and hit that like button. Let me know that you appreciate the content. I'm so glad you were here. I will see you next time on The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Deep End. We pray it helps you grow in your faith and your walk with Christ. If you don't already have a home church, we invite you to come out to one of our campuses this weekend. Check us out at waterschurch.org to find a location near you and a service time that fits your schedule. Make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode of The Deep End with Tim Hatch.